Our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Samuel chapter 9. David asked, Is there anyone from Saul's family still alive that I could show faithful love for Jonathan's sake? There was a servant from Saul's household named Seba, and he was summoned before David. Are you Seba? the king asked him. At your service, he answered. The king asked, Is there anyone left from Saul's family that I could show God's kindness to? Yes, Seba said to the king, one of Jonathan's sons, whose feet are crippled. Where is he? the king asked. He is at the house of Amiel's son, Micaiah at Lodabar, Seba told the king. So King David had him brought from the house of Amiel's son, Micaiah at Lodabar, Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, and Saul's grandson came to David, and he fell to the ground, bowing low out of respect. Mephibosheth, David said. Yes, he replied, I'm at your service. Don't be afraid, David told him, because I will certainly show you faithful love for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the fields of your grandfather Saul, and you will eat at my table always. Mephibosheth bowed low out of respect and said, Who am I, your servant, that you should care about a dead dog like me? Then David summoned Saul's servant Seba and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything belonging to Saul and to his family. You will work the land for him, you, your sons, and your servants, and you will bring food into your master's house for them to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will always be at my table. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. All who lived in Ziba's household became Mephibosheth's servants. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was crippled in both feet. The Word of God for the people of God. When we look in Scripture... When we look at customs around dining at the table, what we see for the Israelite people is that who you dine with tells the world something about you. It tells the world something about your character. It tells something about your beliefs. It tells the world something about your morals. More importantly, it tells the world something about what you believe about God. This is why it was so important to Jesus' ministry to dine with others. It's also why when Jesus dined with particular sorts of people, He received quite a bit of criticism. If you recall, Jesus is criticized for eating and drinking with sinners. Jesus is holy after all. Shouldn't He be spending time with holy people? But instead, he chooses to spend his time among those despised, people of ill repute, folks that were looked down upon, sinners, tax collectors, those who were unclean. And it cost him. It cost him. 
who we spend our time at the table with is important. So it is incredibly surprising that even though Jesus is nowhere to be mentioned in our text from 2 Samuel, what it says about Jesus is incredibly important. Because to be sure, Jesus is not in the 2 Samuel text in a literal sense, but Christ is present there regardless. He is present there regardless because for King David to invite the grandson of King Saul to dine at his table is a demonstration of radical hospitality and love and compassion in the style of God through Jesus of Nazareth. If you recall the story, Saul was the initial king of Israel, the first. But that was given to David. Can you imagine what the people of Israel were thinking when David invites a grandson of Saul to dine at the king's table? Have you lost your mind? Surely there were still people in Israel who thought that descendants of Saul were the rightful heirs to the throne. That there were people who wanted him to be put at the head of that table and sit at the king. And yet David invites him to sit at that table, at the king's table. That's insane. And yet... It's very Christ-like to make room at the table, to open up space for someone else. The Hebrew book of Baruch, which we do not have in our Bible, but they have in their Scriptures, says this. Get up, Jerusalem. Stand on the high place. Look around to the east. See your children gathered from west to east. By the Holy One's word as they rejoice that God has remembered them. From the west to the east. This Hebrew book of Baruch says to God's people, Everyone is my children. Now imagine this. There's, there's been a whole lot of struggle for the Israelite people to maintain the monarchy and the kingdom. You think about their history and all that they've went through, the people they've had to fight, um, the Amorites, the Hittites, the, the Canaanites, all of these people, all the people that would come after the time of David, the Persians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Romans, And yet this poetry from these Hebrew Scriptures, from the east and the west, my children will be gathered. That means is, all those people that you've conquered, that have tried to conquer you, that have made your life difficult, they're my children too. And they are invited to God's table. 
I imagine for the Israelites, that was incredibly difficult to embrace. That there would come a day when all of God's children, different enemies, antagonistic, would be gathered together at one table. People that had persecuted them, exploited them, enslaved them, all gathered together at one table. And yet, that, that is a promise that exists throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. And it's one that we reflect on this Advent season. You know, we frequently overlook that Advent is not just about anticipating the celebration of Christmas. There's also a second component to Advent. We don't just anticipate the celebration of Christmas, we also anticipate the second coming of Christ in the Advent season. So we don't only look backwards, we look forward to what is to come. We anticipate what our world is going to be like when God returns. And to use the language of the communion liturgy, we feast at God's heavenly banquet table. And what it means is that there's going to be a lot of folks at God's table. And a lot of those folks are going to be very different than we are. And yet they're still God's children. And they're still welcomed. And they're still fed. Typically on this second Sunday in Advent, we think about peace. And when we think about peace, we think about nonviolence. But there's an additional component to peace that I think is better defined as harmony. There is a harmony and a balance that can exist when we live in relationship to other people in the way that God would have us be. When we make room at the table for someone that's different than ourselves, that's difficult, that thinks differently, that looks differently, that loves differently, when we make room at the table, we create a more complete look of what God would have our world to be. A much more complete look. But it's not easy. Oh my goodness, cultivating peace is challenging. Think about those of you who are planning to go home and uh, experience the holiday season. Most of us will go home and uh, we will have that one gathering. Uh, Did anybody else do this? You can raise your hand. You have this one gathering with extended family and you don't know any of them from Adam's house cat really, but you all get together because you're family. We've done that throughout the entirety of my childhood. We see these people one time a month. They're family, but they might as well be strangers to me. I don't know anything about them. I don't really know what they do. I mean, I kind of know, but not really. No more than, you know, any other person off the street. But we're family. And so as family, we gather around the table. And maybe it's not just one table. 
Maybe if you're like our family, you had to put a slat or two in the table to make it big enough. Or uh, maybe if you're like my grandmother, you stole a couple of tables from the church. Stole, you just borrowed them from the church. So you could make a little bit more room at the table for these folks. They might as well be strangers. If we can make room at the table for people who might as well be strangers, how much more room can we make at the table for others this Advent season? My hope and my prayer is that we will find ways as a church and as individuals to continue making room at the table. If our world can do it, I think we can do it. And I know our world can do it because I saw it on TV. So I want to leave you with this video commercial from 2017 that I think gets at the heart of how and what it means to make room at the table.